Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Well, hi, everybody. Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see us, if you're listening to us, that means you're listening in on Tiger Paw Radio. So thank you very much. I'm very excited today. Uh, the guest that I have is someone that has been in the office equipment uh, channel for more years than I can remember, and actually uh, 50 plus years uh, running the same company. So uh, Chip Maselli, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And maybe one of the first things that I'll do, uh, you know, we were talking about putting all your eggs in one basket. So maybe we'll just start there. I really like that, you know, analogy, right? And in the office equipment channel, um, our basket was, I think, pretty full of uh, printers and copiers. And we're certainly seeing a lot of uh, challenges uh, with that right now. And I don't think we have to remind people of that. I think anyone in the space knows how challenging it is but you're doing something different. Uh, you're putting some of these eggs in different places and that's really where I wanted to, to start the conversation. I followed you a while ago and while most people were kind of like immediately going to managed IT, it seemed like every office equipment dealer that I spoke with was kind of moving in that direction and that you were actually doing some stuff with display panel technology, right? And maybe we can talk a little bit about that. What was the impetus for looking in that direction? And what do you think the real value of, of diversifying you know, in that way is? Well, what we found through the pandemic, more and more people were doing Zoom meetings sort of like this. And um, if you were in the office, you needed some kind of technology where you can brainstorm more. So interactive boards became more popular. Now we've been selling those for years, but never looked and and we do a lot of uh, payment programs. Uh, everything we've ever done was payment. And every time we do a payment, we do add service into it. So we have a reoccurring revenue for that piece. But what we found is that now people were looking for bigger, bigger than a regular interactive board because the biggest ones are about 86 inches. And now people want a hundred, hundred and some. So we found that we had to diversify a little bit. So we ended up making a deal with a local provider here in Illinois to sell their their um, LED walls, which is for inside. They do a lot of outside, but they created about two or three years ago, they started making LED walls for inside, which is different than having them outdoors. And so it's an easy concept. It's stuff that we used to sell and you could sell it for cash. We do sell you know, 90% of them on a lease program with reoccurring revenue because they're always gonna need some kind of service. The computer that runs it or the little panel has to be replaced. Now we can teach them how to replace it, but most of the time they come back to us and say, we need you to replace a panel. We don't wanna break another one. So we found that the LED walls also with a interactive board tied into it, made it a big interactive wall. And um, it's been very good for us. We're selling at least two to three of these things a month, which have been very profitable because no one else is really doing it in our area. You know, they all are jumped on the interactive board thing. And there's a lot of companies out there today selling them. But we, um, because we bring, and because it is LED, we're selling scoreboards to schools to update their scoreboards because now they can advertise on them. They can run all kinds of uh, information on them. So we're, we find we found opportunities because of it that we never thought we would be in. 
Yeah, I remember it was actually a couple of months ago when you first got me excited about uh, what you were doing. And, and you said something at that time, which I haven't forgotten, which was that, you know, one of the reasons to move into something like this is that it's actually much more adjacent with what, you know, kind of our experience in the space is than some other things, right? So if you look at a copy or a printer, you know, it's a thing, right? Like, and if you look at a, you know, a, um, like you said, an LED wall uh, panel, it's a thing that those panels need fixing a replacement that the computers that they're running on sometimes need, you know, maintenance, you know, kind of care and feeding. And, and the other important word is uh, to be able to put those under, you know, a finance plan, right? To actually be able to, to do them that way. And that sounds very adjacent, uh, you know, uh, to the experience that we've had already, you know, in the channel. Do you think that's fair? How do you feel about that? I think it's fair. I think um, there's a lot of product coming into our channel now that we never thought we would have. That's going to give us reoccurring revenue. Let's let's face it. Our industry, printers and copiers, or copiers and then printers, um, always been uh, a reoccurring revenue. Whether we sold a copier for cash, we sold a maintenance contract with it. You know, in the beginning of time, um, we sold a maintenance kit and that would cover you for your service for your copier or or we gave you the machine and you know, it was always reoccurring revenue. We knew that once we put our product in your location, you were going to have to call us for something. The supplies, you know, when we went, you know, when we learned many, many years ago to put it on a program, include our service, increase it every year, it became our profit center. Service is really a copier's profit center. What I'm looking for now is other profit centers because we know as the clicks continue to go down, um, we need other sources to bring service in, and that happened. And as a lot of, and we're in it too. We're in the IT space as well. Sure. Um, you know that is one of our reoccurring revenues. But what we found is that customers today want to talk to you about the flashy new thing. And that's what an LED wall is. So it gets us more appointments. Now, once we get in there and, and if we don't do an LED wall, we end up with other products. We end up with copiers. We end up with printers. We end up with office supplies or whatever else we're selling. We end up with that business anyways, because the door became open. And so for us, whether I sell an LED wall or not, it got me a, an audience with, with the owner of a company or the CEO of a company, which I can now if I'm a good salesperson, elaborate on other products that we can help you with. Uh, I love what you say about it really providing a gateway into the organization to be able to sell them other things, right? And certainly in our industry, uh, whenever I talk to people about the difference, I guess, between the office equipment channel and then the managed IT channel, because they're coming together, is that I think we've always been really good at sales, right? That we don't just you know say, well, they want that one thing, I'm going to shut up now. Um, in the managed IT world, that's often where they start and kind of where they finish, right? Um, whereas in our side of the channel, um, I think we've been much better about using those opportunities to, you know, to get in, right? Now, I think for a lot of dealers out there that might be on the fence about uh, diversification, I wonder if you can offer uh, any advice for them about maybe why they should really start uh, thinking about it and uh, maybe some ideas on you know, how they can kind of put a yardstick out there for what they should do next? Well, first of all, they have to look at what they could possibly be good at. And I think the first thing you need to do is make sure if you go into anything, you're going to go in for reoccurring revenue, that you go with an organization that's going to partner with you and help you along the way. I mean, when we got into Manage IT, there was really nobody out there that would help us with that. 
we had to shoot from the hip, which was very costly. Today, you have a lot of organizations now that will do your call center for you and you, you do the break fix, which you already have the technicians that most of them, if they're on the younger side, can fix computers. You know, and, and so if you can partner with some of the organizations out there like uh, Great America has uh, in their collaborants, they can do the, hot, the grunt work and then you go out and, and do the back end. So you have a great opportunity to get into managed services. If you're going to get into LED walls, you need an organization. Now, there's a lot of uh, Chinese product coming into the United States right now for LED walls. Uh, we just had a show a couple of weeks ago that we went to look at them. Um, but as all I had offer you is the wall. Here's the wall. They don't offer you how do I figure out how much it is should should I charge? Uh, you know where it's at. We're the, the company we're we're doing with. They have a sales guy that comes out with us, looks at it, measures it up, and it comes back and said this is what the wall is going to cost from us. And then we have an organization that we we bring out and they look at it to say okay what's it going to this is what's going to cost for us to install it. And then we put the package together and we present the whole thing that, okay, we're handling this like, like building a house. We're the contractor for this. Okay, yeah. No, because first of all, I didn't want to have a, a, a group of guys that put video walls up two or three a, a month. It doesn't pay. <laughs> so we, we went with organizations like, like electrical companies and that that help us. I have one that helps us in Indiana and then I have one that helps us in Illinois. So you need those partnerships for anything you want to go forward. I mean, just like um, going into these charging stations for cars, I, 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 that's another shiny shiny piece out there. And I, I really think that's a good reoccurring revenue for our industry. But the hardest part I'm finding is getting an electric, electrician or electrical company to partner with you to install it because you don't want to do that. And here in Illinois, we have to have union in some places and non-union in other places. So to sell that, you'd have to have the same type of idea. Here's the, what the product costs. I'm going to know that, you know, but here's what it's going to cost to install it. And then you put it together as a monthly package and people say, well, I can afford that, you know, $9.95 a month or whatever it may be. It's interesting what you say about being like kind of a general contractor, right? And and we all accept that when you're looking at, uh, you know, building a house or anything else, that their expertise is really bringing, bringing the best of breed together to deliver the final solution, right? So I think that's maybe, uh, you know, an interesting difference between how we've, we've typically done things in the past, right? Whereas we did try and have everything in-house. And I think that uh, as you start to offer more of these solutions, that this idea of partnership is really important. Um, and you mentioned, uh, you know, for the charging stations for cars and stuff. So, uh, so Pulse Technologies is investing in that as well? We're looking into that right now. We're talking to Josh over at... Um... ADIC, I believe is the name of his company. And we're seeing if that can be a product that we can sell. You know, everything's electrified now, right? So like, you know, when I uh, look in my garage, uh, my lawnmower, my uh, leaf blower, um, what else do I have now? Uh, chainsaw, like everything is battery driven, right? And my wife and I are actually in the market for a new vehicle right now. And we're actually holding off um, because we want to see what kind of electrified options uh, come into the marketplace in the next couple of years, right? We don't want a Tesla. Um, I know that Ford has come up with the F-150, so maybe that's a, you know, potential or, you know, we kind of like the style of the Bronco. So are they going to come out with a, you know, with a Bronco styling that's going to be electrified in the next couple of years, right? And and I'm certainly not a young person, but I got to think that young people 
must be really starting to look at at his options, right? So price of gas right now, I don't know what it's like where you are in Chicago, Chip, but man, it was over uh, $2 a liter when I checked uh, here yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, we're over $5 a gallon right now. I believe we'll be at six before the end of the year. Like petroleum, I know this is a whole other interview and a whole other conversation, right? But the more that that price, uh, you know, parity between gasoline and electricity starts to come together, electricity is just so much simpler, right? Like, you know, and cleaner. What I always am looking for is what's where my re- reoccurring revenue. I'm, uh, I you know, I built a company on reoccurring revenue, and so as I see one area erode, I need another area to st- pick it up, and so that's why we we look at things. You know, I even I had a conversation with someone a couple months ago about reoccurring revenue because I do own a supply company that sells office supplies in Indiana. And um, we're probably the biggest office supply dealer in northern Indiana. And um, he said, well, how do you think that's reoccurring revenue? I says, because they buy it every month. Yeah. <laughs> it may not, you know, we have we have contracts with people that every month they get a certain amount of paper or a certain amount of supplies that they use every month. I says, or we have people that we don't have a contract with, but they buy the same amount of product every month. I says, so that is reoccurring revenue. I, um, you know, I learned through the pandemic, I had to make a deal with um, Lysol. They were making package of wipes and they were afraid to bring them into the United States unless they had commitments from dealers like us to sell so many of them. So I had to commit to a couple thousand of these every month. Well, my purchasing team said I was nuts because I had to commit for 14 months and that I would have so much extra because as the pandemic winds down, people aren't going to need this product anymore. So I went to my sales team and put a contract together and I says, here's what you're doing. I want a 12 month commitment. So every month in the beginning of the month, everybody's going to get this box of wipes, a case of wipes. I think there was six in a case and we sold out. <laughs> and so because of that, we, we did very well through the pandemic and, and, you know, months afterwards. So those are reoccurring revenues that people don't really think about. Right now, if you had a deal with the uh, with an organization that sells copy paper, you know, like an international paper, for an example, um, if you don't have a relationship with them, you can't start selling copy paper today because that is another product that is hard to get. Wow. And I have a commitment from the organization that I get so many truckloads a month. <laughs> And um, then they want to say, well, we don't want to send you one this month. No, we have a deal. Yeah. <laughs> so go go tell somebody else that we have a contract. So there's a lot of reoccurring revenues out there that are weird. But, you know, there are ones that keep money coming in. You know, I, I think it's this subscription everything world that we live in. Right. And I think if you put your mind to it, um, I think you can pretty much sell anything. Like you said, wipes. Uh, you know, under some kind of recurring revenue plan, right? When I think of, I always use this example, but in the old days uh, when Blockbuster was king, right? When you go rent your videos and your DVDs and when Netflix first came out, they, they didn't have their plan perfect at the time. I don't know if you remember that, but what they did was, you know, you would sign up for a, a package. You'd either have like three DVDs or five, you know, mm-hmm. DVDs a month, right? And they would they would mail you these DVDs and you were always allowed to have five so if you you know sent them three back then you could get three new ones you know so it was a a subscription plan right like was that recurring revenue and blockbuster thought they were crazy you know on that on that model 
And then look where the whole world has gone today for any kind of entertainment consumption, right? I have subscriptions to Netflix, uh, Disney Plus, uh, CBS All Access. Um, what other ones do I have? Uh, Crave HBO TV. HBO Max. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say in Canada, we have to buy that as uh, Crave TV. I don't know why, but yeah, HBO Max, right? So that almost anything you know, can be, uh, you know, sold under recurring revenue model, right? You mentioned one other thing there, which is really important, is that even for you as a, as a business owner, having that contract for paper, for example, where you have that commitment is actually beneficial, right? And I think in this economy, when, when things are, we were talking about, you know, my wife is a retailer earlier, right? That in this economy, that there's no guarantee that we're going to get those things, right? So when you have those contracts in place with people, at least you know that your piece of whatever you're looking for is is there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you sign a contract, you hope that they're going to have it. Now, if they told me they closed the factory for six months, I would have to sit there and suffer like everybody else. But um, when it opens back up, you expect them to keep their contract. One of the things that bugged me about our industry is that we treat some of our vendors like sec, you know, like jerks. Yeah, for lack of a better word. You know, everything I look at is a partnership. Whether you're my leasing company, it's, it's got to be a partnership. You have to make money. I have to make money. I get that. You know, um, you know, with copiers, the, my vendor for copiers, they have to make money. I get it. When, when Sharp came to, to me many months ago and, and we had a meeting because I'm on their advisory board and, and, and Mike said, I'm going to have to raise our uh, prices and we're going to raise it this percentage. And I said to him, is that enough? He said, what do you mean? <laughs> I says, I don't want you to come back to me in three months or six months and raise it again. See, I also sell office furniture. And in the last six months, I've had eight raises. Wow. And they come in with a 4%, a 6%. Two weeks later, a 6%. We just had another increase the other day because steel continues to escalate in price. So if there's any steel in the partitions, which they all have steel in them, um, the price continues to go up. So I told him that if you're going to raise the price, raise it one time for the year. Don't come back to us every other month because it's a lot of work for our industry to, to deal with that. We have Administration, to go in and yeah. update, our, you know, we update our ERPs or our, 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 you know, our ERPs or even our CRMs. You have to go and update all that. We don't want to do it every month. Give us one increase and be done with it. I said, don't come back until, and, and, and he said, no, our increase will be good for a year. That's what I'm working on. But I don't see where he's going to be able to do that right now. I think he's going to have to increase it again because I see gas, as you just said, is is that is up there with the factory being closed for six weeks. That's going to cost more. Everything's costing more money. It's just like, I don't know what people are thinking here in the United States. We don't believe we're, we're having inflation. We have inflation. We just oh. are putting up with it. Yeah. And I think it's important what you say about um, making sure that whatever price increases that they do, that it's enough. And, and clearly that's a business owner thinking, right? It's like, look, don't keep coming back to me and nickel and diming me, you know, just get it out of the way up front because not just for administration, but then you have to go to your customers as well with those increases, right? And you don't want to be doing that every, you know, six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, we do that in office supplies. We uh, we used to sell copy paper for thirty dollars a cart, and we're up to fifty five now. Wow. And that's less than a year. <laughs> the increases years ago used to be like twenty five cents. Now it's a buck. It's two bucks. It's it's not, it's not, and it and it happens 
almost it's been happening every month. We just had another two dollar increase at this beginning of this month. So um, that kind of stuff, I'd rather them come and say, you know, my people that work for me, I said, well, paper is going to be at fifty dollars a case by the middle of the year. And I told them that last year because I saw it escalating. And they said, no, it's never going to be $50. And now it's 55. <laughs> <laughs> and I would imagine it's going to be 60 by the end of the year because that uses a lot of petroleum to make paper. Not only do they have to make the, the trees into pulp, but then they got to bleach it to make it white. I probably would be less expensive if we had, uh, if we kept it brown. Right. <laughs> there, yeah. is some, there is some paper coming out of Brazil that is made out of sugarcane that is brown. And they're trying to see if that would be a pliable product here in the United States. Yeah, I think for information sharing, right? It, like, why does it have to be white? I mean, I know that uh, obviously with with color and stuff that's for presentations that you'd want to, you know, a better, better mix. But I, I think that the environmental equation, especially when it's married to uh, you know, cost savings as well. I think, you know, that's what's really going to drive it. Right. And I think petroleum, like you said, it's in everything. Right. Um, and at over $5 a gallon, uh, when you're burning that stuff, it's like, it's like burning money because <laughs> well, that petroleum makes goods as well. Right. Like there's two ways to use it. One is to burn it and the other is to make things. And I got to start thinking that the making things uh, is certainly going to start picking up steam <laughs> with all these shortages. Yeah, you got to figure everything we, especially in our industry, even um, toner is made with petroleum. And, and so that the toner has to go up in price, you know, unless they're, unless the, the vendor is going to cut his percentage of GP in it, um, it's going to have to escalate. Um, haven't seen a lot of it as of late, but I would believe we're going to see it down the road. Um, yeah, we are in uh, interesting times and it's going to be, unfortunately, you know, I'm a pro dealer advocate. I'd like dealers to be around for a long, long time because years ago we saw these big companies buy us all out. And But back then we were younger and we could start over again in five years if we wanted to. And a lot of people did that. But now we're all getting older and we're not going to start over if we sell out. Right. So, uh, you know, and I'm afraid that our uh, dealer channel is going to disappear if we don't have kids that are going to come into business or, or younger people that are going to take this over. Because um, I think it's a fun business. I mean, if it wasn't for this industry, I probably I've seen probably been all around the world, um, and um, I've seen so many things that I've never had to, never would have had if I became a just a businessman of a smaller type business. Yeah, the Offscore Channel for me has been the the same experience, and and it's funny, Chip, because when I'm speaking with people that aren't in the space, you know, and they say, "What do you do for a living?" and I talk about the Offscore Channel their eyes kind of glaze over because they don't know what that means. Right. It's like printers and copiers. Geez, that sounds so boring. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it's so the opposite. I'm glad that, you know, people sometimes don't see that because then it means that, you know, obviously less uh, uh, competition maybe. And it's like, there isn't enough, but uh, I also tell people, you know, to your point that um, this is a very respectful industry as well. Right. So the, like you said, the more pro dealers that there are, the better, right. Keeping the channel, you know, healthy. I think that we're in a in a in a much more respectful uh, channel than some of the other ones that I've that I've witnessed. Right. So you're diversifying. You know, um, as you go to other uh, conferences. My wife has a what do you call it? Like a, a business improvement association that she belongs to as a retailer. 
And man, it can get mean sometimes, right? <laughs> but anything I've done with the BTA, I guess, which would be a similar kind of thing, right? The Business Technology Association uh -huh. uh, or the MPSA, we have competitors that are working on chairs together that are helping in communities together, right? And yeah, we just don't see that in a lot of other channels. So I, I think you're right. For anyone out there watching, you know, young people that are looking to get into a cool space, it is diversifying. Uh, and it's a ton of fun. So yeah, I really appreciate you bringing that up, Chip. Yeah, and you'll learn something new every day. I mean, right. and and, and um, I think that's what's cool about it. I, uh, you know, I'm a sort of like a technology junkie. So I like to see what the new next shiny thing is going to be. And um, if I can um, provide it to my clients, um, that's what I want to do. Um, and, you know, for anyone that's watching today, uh, to be aware of that, that we've got to be constantly looking for whatever that next you know, technology tip is, right? If you weren't a visionary before you're in trouble, you have to be one today. You have to see what the future is going to bring to make you successful. Yes. And I think, uh, especially with the rate of change that's that's happening in the world, right? And, and you've been in the space for over 50 years. You've seen a lot of different things and and you're flexing and changing your business. Um, it's, it's incredible to watch that, right? Because you've seen it all and yet you continue to move forward and to diversify and, and challenge the business, right? Just in the uh, um, charging stations, you know, the, our local government of the state of Illinois is paying people to put these in, like solar panels, anything that is, you know, new technology that's going to help the environment is probably products we should look at because that's where the world is going. The younger generation wants a cleaner, safer world, and they're not going to have it um, with pollution running the way it is today so you're going to see things like electric cars and solar panels and all that kind of stuff more popular than they have been in the past i love it and uh, certainly uh, as you mentioned for the next generation i think it's pretty exciting to be able to you know be part of that uh, that change and especially when it just makes good business sense as well right so do the right thing uh, make some money while we're at it how on earth do you lose well, Chip, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do the interview with us uh, today. And uh, for everyone out there, um, I know that I will be in Chicago at the next BTA meeting. Uh, Chip, maybe we'll uh, see you there in June. And uh, hopefully we'll see you there. I will be there. I'm speaking. I'm, I have a presentation on how to find and retain employees. Oh, well, that's great. So everyone watching, make sure that you look for Chip uh, speaking on that because he's got a lot of folks that have worked for them uh, over the years and a lot of experience there. So I'm definitely going to sign up for that myself. And for everyone else that is tuned in today, either watching us on TigerTube or listening to us on Tiger Paw Radio, thank you very much. We gear this learning towards helping you to run a better business and to make more money. And until next time, keep learning. See you all. Thank you. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the Resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.